Welcome to Puritans Read, reading aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 12 of The Wiles of Satan by William Spurstow. Satan does not care how much men hear or how often they pray, if he can but allay their intention and fervency in both, by either distracting their minds or deadening their affections, so as to make them the skeletons of duties, without a soul to enliven and actuate them, naked forms, without any power of godliness. How contemptibly God speaks of his own institutions when done in a careless and loose manner. When Israel came to appear before him, he asked who had required this at their hands to tread his courts, Isaiah 1.12. Incense is an abomination. New moons and Sabbaths he cannot tolerate, verse 13. He cursed them as deceivers who have in their flock a male and then sacrifice unto the Lord a corrupt thing, Malachi 1.14. And he threatened to spread the dung of their solemn feasts upon their faces, Malachi 2.3. Is it not then a matter of wonder as well as of complaint that those who own the appointed ordinances of God to be the sole rule of giving glory to him and obtaining good from him should yet, for the most part, satisfy themselves in doing duties rather than in the fruits they reap from them. Is it not an interpretative omission, though not a formal neglect, to make that to be the task of the outward man which should be the employment of the whole man, to be the work of the lip, that which should be the service of the heart. Will a prayer that is like an arrow from a slack bow, which never pierced the breast, ever pierce the heavens? Will hearing the word, when the running sands in the hourglass are more eyed than the minister, ever convey its sweetness to such an hearer? Will a Sabbath that is spent only in the forbearance of bodily labor, without any ascensions of the soul to God in holy meditation or breathings after him in fervent prayer, either fill a man with the foretastes of heaven or make the fruition of God in an eternal Sabbath to be deemed as his only happiness? And yet such schemes, such bodily exercises, which profit nothing, are the services which most give unto God, presuming also that he is as well pleased with them as themselves, while, through the devil's craft and the deceitfulness of their own hearts, they look upon them as evidences to difference them from both the profane, who reject the thing that is good, and from the erroneous, who are led out of the right way by the fancies and inventions of men.
device 5. A fifth device and policy of Satan is his strange and artificial dignifying of objects so as to make them appear to be what they are not, yea, contrary to what they are in truth and reality. When Tamar designed to accompany Judah, her father-in-law, she put her widow's garments off, attired herself as a harlot, and sat in an open place. Genesis thirty-eight fourteen, So that she may better effect her purpose and what the issue was, the story tells us. So, oftentimes, when Satan would allure and tempt to sin, he presents the object not in its natural dress, but clothed in such a manner as best suit what he aims at, and as may be easily seen in his attractives unto evil, and his dissuasives from good. First, evils which have a deformity inseparably cleaving to them, he hides and palliates by giving them a superficial dye and tincture of virtue, whereby he many times deceives the uncautious and serves only the hypocrite with specious pretenses. How the covetous person whom the Lord abhors, Psalm 10 verse 3, pleases himself in his sordid parsimony as if he only practiced frugality and followed the counsel of our Savior of gathering up the fragments so that nothing be lost, James 6.12. With what a show of religion he denies bread to the hungry and clothing to the naked while he shelters himself under the assertion of Paul that if anyone does not provide for his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. 1 Timothy 5.8 Yet his hand is shrunk up towards the one as well as to the other. He turns away the stranger under a pretended care of providing for his family, and he robs them of their due necessities by making thrift a cloak for his avarice. Is not also the Laodicean or lukewarm professor under the same delusion in regard of the apprehensions he has of his spiritual state? Who prides himself more in his moderation and discretion than this one, as if he alone had hit the golden mean and joined the wisdom of the serpent and the innocence of the dove together, being not overheated through the fiery passion of zeal, nor frozen and stupid through the dissoluteness of atheism and profaneness. Yet may we not say that that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God? Has he not expressed how irksome such a temper is to him when for this very cause he threatens to spew a whole church out of his mouth. Revelation 3.16 Yea, 
He seems to wish it rather to be wholly cold than to have such an imperfect participation in both the extremes. Not but that cold is more remote from heat than lukewarmness, but yet, as it is a state or condition, it is worse, because men are very rarely, and with great difficulty, recovered out of it. Such are like those who lie in pleasant dreams, and are loath to be awakened out of them. It is Cassian's observation, which the experience of others may seal unto us as a truth. Oftentimes of cold one is made hot, and of hot sometimes one returns to be cold, but seldom or never do any from lukewarm come to be hot. So Satan allures to evil by covering its deformity with his artificial paint and varnish, so as to entitle it to the name of a virtue rather than a vice or sin. In so doing, he is much like a deceitful coiner, who stamps the king's image on his spurious metal to make it pass, unsuspected. Second, on the other hand, when Satan would dissuade from good, he represents it under the most contemptible form and appearance to create such prejudices and dislikes against it as may cause them to apprehend that it is naturally of that complexion in which it appears to them. His intent is that, by this means, men may scorn the profession of it rather than embrace the practice of it and look upon it as a thing that detracts from their worth and esteem rather than adds anything to it. No broken glass can render a beautiful face more distorted and misshapen either by multiplying the parts or misplacing them then Satan does the most amiable things of grace and holiness. Is it not through Satan's subtlety that religion itself has such an unpleasant aspect in most men's eyes? Is it not through the mists that he raises that it seems to be a dark and opaque body and night not a bright and glorious luminary, which fills the breast in which it is seated with light and peace. It is he who suggests to the atheist that to disdain it is a piece of reason, and to the profane that to neglect the profession of it, though they own the principles of it, is a point of gentility. It is he who makes the world judge the zealous Christian, to be a fanatic, and the patient man who bears injuries without revenge to be a coward and stupid person who does resent affronts. It is Satan who makes the world judge him, who exercises self-denial to his unruly appetites and curbs with a strong rein the desires of the flesh to be no better than a stoic fool who seeks to reduce men to the condition of stocks and stones and to eradicate all affections as abnormalities of nature rather than to cherish them as its genuine offspring.
That was episode 12 of The Wiles of Satan by William Spurstoke.